when we look around us and we see what's going on in the world, we clearly see that, that there's problems in the world. Uh, but not only do we see that, we see that many people, in fact, all of us have problems. Not any one of us is free from sin. We all got difficulties. Of course, that began with, with Adam and Eve. When Adam and Eve turned away from God, when they said yes to the serpent and no to God. Something that we will see uh, from little on, and particularly if we have siblings, but even with classmates at school, uh, cousins and so forth, you'll notice that at times you'll do something wrong, and then mom or dad asks you, did, did you do that wrong? And you point your finger at the sibling to say it was his fault, it was her fault. Um, most of the time that's true, <laughs> that it is there. <laughs> uh, or at least there's some truth to it, that both of you were in it together. But it's, it's nothing different than, than what Adam and Eve did. You know, when God said to Adam, why did you take the fruit of the tree? Uh, Adam blames it onto Eve. Eve blames it onto the serpent. And ever since then, we've always been blaming one another. Even today, you know, we say, okay, it was the neighbor's fault. It was, um, you know, the co-worker's fault. As adults, we continue to do what we did as kids, blame others for, uh, for actions that were done. And there's, there's a lot of truth to that. It is other people's fault, but so is it ours. It's all of, our, all of our faults. God created man and woman perfect. God created humanity perfect. But humanity turned away from God and humanity continues to turn away from God. But as John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave us his only begotten Son, that whoever, so that whoever believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. Our brokenness, our problems, cause us to perish if we stay with Him and don't turn to God. But if we turn to Jesus, if we turn to God, then our problems uh, do no longer have power over us. We're given strength. So God decides that He's going to continue to reach out to humanity. So even though all of humanity, all of Adam and Eve's descendants, turn away from God, God then chose one man, Abraham. He reached out to Abraham and said to Abraham, I want you to leave the land in which you live. Today it's present day um, Iraq. I want you to leave this land and go to the land of Canaan, which is present day Israel. I want you to go there and I'm going to make of you a great nation. Abraham believes in multiple gods. But he realizes that this God who reached out to him is very special, particular. So he follows and he's obedient to God, the only God. And he goes to the land of Canaan. When he gets to the land of Canaan, he sees horrible things going on with, amongst the people. He sees them worshipping all kinds of gods. You know, from a bull to, to other animals. But the, maybe the most horrendous thing that he saw is that the people would, would take their children, they would kill them and sacrifice them to their gods. Some even, and this is terrible, and I, I'm sure your hearts turn from it, but they would even eat their children. Abraham saw this. And, and he did not, of course, uh, want to be a part of it. He wanted to be obedient to God. God picks Abraham from all the peoples of the world, chooses him, 
Even though Abraham is sort of like the other people of the world, he himself has problems. As time goes on, we all know that at some point Abraham's descendants ended up in Egypt. There's a story, whole story behind that, which I won't go into. But they end up in Egypt, and then through Moses, God brings his people out of slavery in Egypt, up into the land of Canaan, where, where um, Abraham first traveled. So they go across the Red Sea, they're in the desert for 40 years, then they're brought into the Holy Land, they're brought into the land of Canaan. But before they go in, God says to, um, to Moses to speak to the people, he says to Joshua, you are to tell the people that when they enter into this land, they are to completely wipe out the people of the land. Completely wipe them out. The people of Israel are, of course, God's favorite children favorite people. He's chosen them for his sake. So he commands these people of Israel to wipe out all the people of the land, the Canaanites, the Amorites, the, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Perizzites. They're to wipe them out. Men, women, and children. Lest they intermarry with these people and they themselves start doing the same horrendous deeds to their own children. Or to others. So the people go into the Holy Land. They're there. And rather than wiping out these people. Um, they do just what God told them not to do. They intermarry. And then. They turn away from God. We know of course that God can. God can take the life of human beings. Because he's the author of life. We, of course, the people of the United States can't just decide one day to go down to Mexico and wipe out all the people of Mexico or go up to Canada and wipe out the people of Canada. We can't do that. But God, of course, can choose to wipe out a certain uh, people. And, of course, he's going to wipe all of us out one day. We're all going to die, wherever, whenever that is, whether that's um, tonight, tomorrow, next week, five years from now, or 84 years from now. We're all going to die. God's going to take our life at some point. But we know that he created us for heaven. He created us for paradise. King David comes. And when King David arrives, he um, begins to, to do what, what God has commanded. Unless the people submitted to him. Uh, many of the people did submit to God, including a number of the Canaanites. But after King David... His son Solomon then married about 400 and some of the women. Uh, I'm not kidding. I'm, he really did that. He, he intermarried uh, with a lot of the, uh, the women of the nations. And they brought their gods to Jerusalem. So they brought their bull. They brought this, this um, idol, that idol. And then Solomon's own son lost 12, or excuse me, 10 of the tribes to the north. It was split into two kingdoms. And then uh, some years later, all the northern tribes are brought up into Assyria. They're brought into exile. Another couple hundred years later, the people of Judah are brought into exile. Up in Babylon, the people of Judah had a big conversion that took place. So when they came back to Jerusalem, all the way to the time of Jesus, they saw... And they realized what had been done in the past. 
They realized that they had intermarried with the people of the nations, and by intermarrying with them, they brought in their false idols, they brought in their problems into God's favorite people. To the point that at Jesus' time, the Canaanites were looked very much down upon because it was they, as it's the whole blaming somebody else, it was they who caused the people of Israel to turn away from God and lose their own country. So the Canaanites were looked down upon. They were treated as dogs. I don't mean, you know, your little fluffy that you that runs around the house. I, when you think of dogs, think of, you know, maybe coyotes or wolves. Big teeth. They can devour things. They were looked upon as dogs. That's the context for today's gospel reading. At that time, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman of that district came and called out. Remember who the Canaanite woman is. She should have been wiped out, right? Or at least her ancestors. She has no right to live, according to the people of Israel. And she says, Have pity on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is tormented by a demon. Of course her daughter's tormented by a demon. That's what the people of Canaan do. They're, or that's what they're, you know, what's going on. They're tormented by demons and they're saying yes to demons and they're doing terrible things. But notice what else she says. She calls Jesus Lord and Son of David. Son of David means that he's the king. And she's given her allegiance to the rightful king of the land. So there's something going on within her heart. But Jesus did not say a word in answer to her. Who would expect him to? He's a good Jew. But she keeps going after Jesus to the point that the disciples get annoyed and they say to Jesus, send her away for she keeps calling out after us. Like, get rid of her. Jesus replies, and this must be in the hearing of the woman. He says, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But the woman came and did Jesus homage, meaning that she bowed down before him because he's the rightful king. And she says to him, Lord, help me. He said in reply, It is not right to take the food of the children, meaning the people of Israel, God's chosen people, and throw it to the dogs. But watch what this woman does. This is amazing. She said, Please, Lord, for even the dogs eat the scraps that fall from the table of their masters. Then Jesus said to her in reply, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And the woman's daughter was healed from that hour. Of course the woman's daughter was healed from that hour. Because the mom has given her allegiance to the rightful king, to God. And when someone gives their allegiance to the king, even the children who may not even be able to talk yet, even the children who can talk but are still at home, are freed from the sins of the parents when the parents turn to God. It's amazing. I've, I've known families like this, where the parents will turn to God, 
and there's this whole transformation amongst all the kids. Why? Because we're not just physical beings, we're also spiritual beings. And what dad and mom do impacts Billy and Sally. I want to mention a few things more, though, with this. Um, And it's God chooses Abraham. God chooses the people of Israel as his favorite people. But he doesn't just choose them for their own sake. He chooses them that he might bless the whole world through them. In our first reading from the prophet Isaiah, he speaks about, about them, about the people of Israel, about God reaching out to the nations, to the Gentiles. We're familiar when, when Jesus and or excuse me, when Joseph and Mary brought Jesus to the temple. And as Simeon the prophet sees Jesus, he says, and he gives, gives this beautiful prayer, O Lord, now you let your servant go in peace. Your word has been fulfilled, for my own eyes have seen the salvation, the salvation which you have prepared in the sight of every people. A light, who's that light, Jesus? A light to reveal you to the nations, to all the people of the world, even the descendants of Canaan, even the descendants of Ammon, even the descendants of all the peoples of the world, our ancestors. I don't think there's anybody here with Jewish blood. All of us have, have received the gospel message thanks to our ancestors, thanks to those before us who have said yes to God like this Canaanite woman. This last week, as I was going through the news, um, I saw that the CDC uh, did some studies upon uh, the impact of, of the coronavirus across um, the country. And they said that within the last month, the last 30 days, one in four between the ages of 18 and 24 have contemplated suicide. One in four, 25.5% of those between the ages of 18 and 24 have contemplated suicide. Those between the ages of 25 and 44, 16% of them have contemplated suicide. I don't know where they did exactly the study, which part of the nation. But still, that, that should, should cause all of us to, to really reach out to the people around us, but more so to recognize who God is, and that as our country turns away from God, as we turn away from God, we go into despair. You can go through Facebook, the Facebook feed for four hours or ten hours and watch Netflix all day and Amazon Prime or Hulu or whatever other outlet there is. That stuff only fills you up for so long. And then you're left empty. And unless one has a prayer life, unless one is praying every day, turning to our good God, saying, have pity on me, Lord, son of David. We're going to be tormented by that demon. And our whole culture is giving in. I feel sorry for this age group, you know, 18 to 24. I feel sorry for them because many of them have never even been taught who God is. Because their parents stopped going to church. 
their parents did this or did that, fell into the ways of the world. And these children have grown up with maybe hearing about God but never knowing him. Some of the people that we know, maybe even you yourself, have never known the goodness of God. But to recognize that there is a war going on in your heart, and that every now and then, the evil one will, will tell you the lie that God doesn't care about you, that God doesn't, he's not concerned about what's going on in your life, he's not concerned about your problems. You can't trust him. The same lie of the serpent back in the Garden of Eden. And that's when we turn to Jesus and we ask Jesus to take that demon from our heart. We recognize our unworthiness, which is why before the great sacrament of Holy Communion is received, we say, Lord, I am not worthy, but only say the word, and my soul shall be healed. O woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. When we keep going after the Lord and we beg him to help us, he will help us. So folks at this Mass, let's pray for a couple of graces. Let's pray for the grace that we ourselves may, may always pray every day, maybe increase our prayer. Um, some of us, um, I know, don't pray every day. Um, but I would encourage you to, if you're not, y'all, most of you have some electronic device that you can put an alarm on and when that alarm comes, um, let it remind you to, to say your daily prayers. But to turn to the Lord more and more, pray for that grace that we may all pray every day. But the second grace that I would like you to pray for is, is that that um, the Catholics and the Kildare Halliday and Twin Buttes area who have left the faith may return, that they may see the goodness of God, that they might experience his mercy that they might experience his love. Let's pray for these graces at this Mass, folks.